seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 162 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. And for 162 episodes, I have been your host, Taquan Watson, and still have my main man in tow, riding shotgun, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? It's like an entire, uh, well, if you go by, <laughs> go by games that week, that's an entire baseball season, I believe. It is. It is 162 games. So yeah, the season sometimes seems like it's 162 weeks long. Dude, they wouldn't make it if they didn't have double headers and stuff. That's for sure these days. But yeah, man, this has been a wild week. We're gonna have a lot of great. I don't know deep topics to talk about. Uh, I think once we get into our regular topics of this week, people are not going to like me and some of my opinions. <laughs> I think we're probably getting used to that at this point. Yeah, that might be a thing. We're going to see. This is going to be a, one of those hot button episodes. But before we get into some of that, let's pay some love to our friends over at Cardsphere.com, where you can go and buy and sell trade magic cards. Great place to check out, run by good people, and you can get stuff at the price you want. So you should go check them out. They have been big supporters of our show, and I like them a lot. Matter of fact, they're doing a Secret Santa thing. So, they, you know, they're even doing stuff with their community right now. So you got to love that. But go pay them some love over at Cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show and get a shout out, just like Sean Brown for being a supporter, thank you so much. Go over to Patreon.com slash Color Magic, and you can support us for as little as $2. And finally, if you want to get stuff for yourself, and rep the show while you're out and about and get some cool tokens and play mats and whatnot, go over and check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. All right. Let's get fired up, because there's going to be some things we're going to get into on this episode. All right. I tried to get into the episodes pretty quick today, because uh, each of these topics we're going to talk about, I think, are... are could, could go either way, and we have not rehearsed these anyway, as usual, so these could be some long, long chats on a few of these. But, man, I saw, first off, let me say, Magic Summit, I didn't get to go. I decided to plan some stuff locally so I could get some stuff out of the way before the holidays. And I'd just come back from Vegas, like, the week before or whatever, and, like, you know, I needed some downtime. But looked like it was pretty fun. People had a good time out in Salt Lake City doing their thing. But I saw several of the women who were hanging out. Or I would say films because I don't think they're all to, you know. But they were apparently walking around, sometimes in cosplay, sometimes normal, in groups because, you know, safety in numbers. And were apparently getting catcalled to and from the venue. Now, one, this is this kind of goes to show that it doesn't matter where you are. Because, oh, you're in Salt Lake City with all the Mormon population, whatever. It still happened there. So you can't say it's just big city stuff, small city stuff, you know, just this part of the country, whatever. This is just a thing that happens to these ladies. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, you see people in costume having fun, like, whatever. And I don't, like, I, it's... The thing, you know what, and this, and this is the over-analytic part of me. It's like, I'm curious, what are the the percentage odds on that working? 
Like, does does that honestly work some percentage of the time that dudes feel the need to keep doing it? Because I would assume this has a 0% hit rate. But, That'd be my guess. But maybe it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I, I'm not trying to encourage it, obviously. But, like, what is your... Mo- uh, other than just, I don't know, trying to intimidate somebody, maybe... I'm, I was gonna say I'm not even sure it's because at this point I feel like these dudes got to know. Yeah, you're not. That's not a positive way to try to get women's. I think sometimes it's for the guys. It's they think you know. Hey, I would like, let me show. Uh, let me you know. Let me act like a gorilla and just say, hey, that's the thing. The balls and holler out like a wild animal. I, sometimes I think it's just for the dudes. But that's exactly it for me. I'm looking around and going like what kind of dudes would I have to be around to be like, Oh, check this out. And then roll down the window. And like, I don't, I don't even know what a good cat call is anymore. Sadly, <laughs> like, the, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you're around those type of dudes, you know, and, and that's how they behave. Yeah. It's just it's really like pack animal behavior for lack of a better term. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. It's just like, how you doing? You know? Yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. Like what? I don't know. I just, I just feel like if I'm going to take the time to holler at somebody, like there's a goal. You know what I mean? Like either I'm trying to get your attention to say, Hey, see what's up. Maybe I'm trying to get your number or whatever it is. But like, I'm not, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's weird, man. It's just weird. You're applying rational logic to irrational behavior. And that's never going to work. That's very true. That is very true. I just, Stupid, you know, like smashing the beer can on your head. Watch me jump off of this type behavior. It's just, it's not designed to to make sense. And and then, and then the next thing is as they start posting about it, because they're sharing a picture of them having a good time and talking about stuff that happened at the event or whatever. Then you see other knuckleheads like they think they're being funny, making a comment. Now, those people, I'm pretty sure, are just being keyboard warriors trying to get a rise and think they're being cute or whatever. And that's going to be their way of getting some interactions or, you know, those people. So I at least kind of sort of see, even though it's stupid logic, I at least kind of see where where they're trying to do their thing. It's just dumb that they have to put up with it. Because all they're doing is trying to have a good time, just like the rest of us. And hell, and, th- and obviously, this happens away from events as well. I'm I'm just talking about this because it's it's timely right but i just don't understand like what the hell are we doing like there's a reason when and i don't even vocalize it but i'm out and about with my femme presenting friends you know like even when we were in vegas if people are like okay cool i'm gonna go to this place i'm gonna go to this place we'll meet up later like i would just go out of my way to walk most of the way back with them if my venue or my stop was like in the same general direction Cause it's like, you know, they're going to put up with less crap just cause you're there, you know? So it's just like, all right, cool. You know? And so you could, one of them particularly said they were appreciative, you know, they're like, Oh, you didn't have to do this, but I get it. Thanks. You know, I don't even think some of the others realized I was doing it or why, but like, it's just one of those things I think is just polite to do. Cause it just takes less pressure off of them. And it's terrible that that's a thought you have to have, but you know, here we are. It just sucks that I saw so many positive things from Magic Summit. And then to see them have to post stuff like that is like they couldn't even enjoy themselves in that type of environment. You know, and it's just like that sucks. 
fortunately, they did seem to say that once you were at the venue, people were very respectful. They took a lot of pictures, you know, and that was all good. So that was nice to see. But it just sucks to know that even when you're there just to have fun in a tourist city and you're dressed up in costume, obviously participating in a thing, like, you can still have that happen to you, and that sucks. But anyway, Brian, I'm going to pass this off to you. All right. Uh, Native American streamers ha- had reached out to Twitch to see if they could you know, get some time on the front page. So I believe it's a Native American Heritage Month. And I guess you might, I, I don't know all the details, but apparently, like it's blah, blah, this, they never heard back. So they put a, pro- a video package together themselves. Please go check it out. It's awesome. And I was. I don't. I was not aware that there were that many Native American streamers on the platform. I, again, I wish Twitch had been able to do something. As far as I know, it wasn't a no. We're not going to do that because I can't imagine Twitch or any company actively doing that in 2022. But um, and again, I, I this is me assuming that I, like most things with Twitch, I'm going to guess just nobody ever got back to them because we had to call talking about this before the show. Like, between the two of us, we if, if our life depended on getting in contact with somebody from Twitch and getting them to do something between the two of us, we have we, we, we're just dead. We have no idea how to get them to take that action or any action. So Yeah, really, at this point, if I wanted to get something done at Twitch, I literally have to do a giant end around. I would have to like know I know somebody who's married to somebody who works at Twitch and I would probably have to start that whole chain of command to reach somebody. That's literally, which is dumb because you should have some type of like, hey, here's customer service. Here's our reps for dealing with with creators or something. We talked about how even apparently I think they have had have had it before they went away and now they have one again. Even G Fuel apparently has a creator rep where if you have an issue, you can call somebody and at least hopefully get a thing done. And help. The problem is supposedly there are emails and contacts you could respond to because they've also emailed me and I've responded to emails and then still never heard anything back. (laughs) So even though there's outlets or directions for you to be able to get feedback or a response for anything, sometimes there's just none. So in theory, (laughs) there are contact people in practice. There are zero contact people, which for a situation like this is unfortunate, more bad publicity the company doesn't need. We're trying to help you, Twitch. We're desperately trying to help you. Help us help you, Twitch. Dude, for real, we've said it before. Like, I want to see the OGs succeed, you know? But, man, when you're just chopping your own legs out every day. And, Because, again, know, whether, it was, whether it was intentional, which I just can't believe, or unintentional, Still, nothing was done to help Native American streamers on the platform. Well, you know, one of the things I will say, because, you you know, you mentioned not realizing how many Native Americans there were. One of the interesting things is I think there are also a fair amount of people that are white presenting that have a very large Native American heritage. Matter of fact, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but I know a few in the magic space that they never celebrate it because they don't want to look like they're just taking advantage of, of that side of their heritage to get recognition or whatever, you know, because they know they have the other privileges of being white presenting. You know, we've had these conversations and I get it. Right. 
it's kind of the same way that if you're, you know, if you're light skinned or white presenting and you have a black mother or father or whatever, like a lot of times they just don't talk about it because they don't want to look like they're just, you know, trying to horn in on something else. So, so I get it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, uh, Mike McDaniel, the coach of the Dolphins, I had no idea he was black. I was not alone in not knowing that. It only came up because, you know, people were trying to, again, figure out how many black coaches there were. And somebody said, Mike McDaniel's black. And we all went, eh? Yeah, and people went. research like, oh, oh, okay, he is black. He just, you know, doesn't ever talk about it and doesn't, and obviously, to look at him does not look black at all. But, you know, and he's a good example, right? Like when you have, you know, hell, 60, 70% of your players that are black and you see what they go through and what they have to do with the media, like you can't really come out almost in solidarity for them or with them because it's it's going to look disingenuous. So I kind of get why he doesn't really publicize it too much or talk about it. But when you're saying when there's that opportunity, you know, in this case, to talk about, hey, these people are Native American and you maybe didn't even know, right? Like, that's a cool opportunity to say, like, all of these people make up part of this community. And it's kind of surprising, you know, I'm with you that, Anybody who saw that email should have immediately ran it up the flagpole and whoever needs to check a box, just check a box and move it forward. Even if it's just like, hey, y'all put together a video, we're going to showcase it, you know, on Twitch somewhere or we're going to send it out to everybody or we're going to pick the, I don't know, the 10 most popular Native American streamers and and have them in the carousel throughout the day or whatever it is. Right. There would have been something you could do to make it work. And it's just weird to see that, like, nothing happened. Yeah, and just, uh, if you want to find that video, there are several uh, several streamers that, that have it. I'm just going to pick one. Uh, Witchy Twitchy on Twitch it has posted that. She is an uh, ASM artist, Twitch partner, Navajo. And as I said, if you want to check out the video, you will learn a lot. I, I know I did, so. That's cool, though, man, that, that at least communities come together and make videos. I mean, we talked about this earlier back in, in February during during Black History Month. Like, with those of us that were part of that Facebook incubator or okay, project, actually, I would say, we actually put our own video together. You know, we did all our recorded segments, whatever, and one of the guys are really good about, you know, editing and putting stuff together. made a nice video package. And we moved that up. And fortunately, at least Facebook shared it. You know, like we put it together, got his face, but hey, why don't you use this instead? Like we feel more confident with this. We all showcased ourselves. It tells the message we want to tell. And they at least got it and went like, yeah, this is probably better than what we do anyway. So we're going to use this. So sometimes companies get it. <laughs> not, not often, but sometimes. So they didn't listen to us on other things, mind you. That's a whole different yeah. thing. But at least there they listened. So yeah, we, we can ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. For sure. But let's move on to some more interesting, fun, and positive things before we get into more negative things. Brian, and tell them what you learned this week. All right. It is time to, to make those of us who are old enough feel old again. WCW versus NWO World Tour launched uh, 25 years ago in November. That, that one, is yeah. a while ago. Right. But if you think about, you know, WCW, <laughs> just, I mean, how long is WCW? I said it that way and didn't even mean to. How long have they been out of business? 
Yeah, it has been a minute. And that one, for those who are, <laughs> for the many in our audience who are probably younger than me and Daquan and don't know about that one, it basically was kind of the, it really paved the way for both of the wrestling games that are out now. That grappling system is a thing that pretty much almost every wrestling game since that one has cribbed some form of that fighting system. And it was a revolutionary system where before that, Wrestle games are kind of like fighting games. You want to do even a simple move? Here's four or five buttons you got to hit. They just said, no, you know what? How about you just hold down one button, yeah, tap it to like, do one move, and then hold it down to do a stronger move. What a concept. Because prior than that, we were kind of still using the same system from that like WWE Wrestle or WBF WrestleMania or whatever that was for a long yeah, time. Like, uh, I think uh, Acclaim was one of the big people yeah. that had the wrestling license, and again, they used kind of more fighting game combos. That, not to say that I didn't play all those games, too, but we had, at that point, really no idea that you could do it a different way, and especially for wrestling fans, because, you know, your a wrestling title is probably going to have a more mainstream audience than, say, Street Fighter 3 Turbo Viper Hyper Fighting Edition, just because, you know, lots of people are going to go, especially back in the day, would go to blockbuster picked that up and ran it so yeah you want it to be a lot easier a lot more accessible they did that and as i mentioned even you know like i think with wwe 2k 23 or 22 whatever year this is yeah pretty much some form of the same combo system taunting to raise your your spirit meter your trademark finisher they were one of the pioneers of that and that's the thing that is still in wrestling games today yeah, it's kind of interesting that, you know, concepts from that long ago in some games just carry over. because And that goes for a lot of stuff. You when know, something works, it works. Like the Arkham Asylum combat system. Once that yeah. came out, you knew that was going to be in every game where you kind of sort of had to fight people. And it has been. Like, to varying degrees of success, but it was a revolutionary system. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch where you just learn, like, you know, certain types of ways that, like, scopes work in different shooter games and you just go like yep this is going to be the thing everybody uses like the first time you do it you just know yeah right there's some stuff that's so weird and so far out there it only works for like one game but when you have that thing that's universal it's that sweet spot man uh what so i want many... oh, yeah oh, go ahead. i was like what i wanted to talk about today is actually i found out there's a company called anchor a-n-k-e-r and a bunch of people probably own peripherals from these people because they're the ones that make a lot of the neat connectors, chargers, charging cables, stuff like that. Like, if you've needed one, you've probably bought one through Amazon, and you probably love their stuff. Their stuff is very good. But just recently, they started rolling out what they're calling power stations. And they come in, I think, five different sizes, depending on your power needs or whatever. But think of them kind of like generators, in a way, they're just pre-charged generators. And the cool part is now they're not too bad. The the biggest one, which I think is the 595, I think is what they call it, but it's uh it weighs about 40 pounds, I think. And they come decked out with lots of different AC outlets, USB A, USB C's. I think the couple of them you can even plug in a car charger, you know, if you have something that has that. The bigger ones obviously have wheels and and a handle because, you know, they're heavy. But the interesting thing about this is it kind of is a game changer, which is why I'm bringing this up for even something like content creators. Because one of the things you think about 
one of the issues when you go to shoot something is just like, ah, is there going to be power available or are there going to be enough outlets or whatever? Now you could bring one of these along and you can shoot anywhere. It doesn't matter if it's a, it's an old warehouse with no power in it and you just want to get a cool shot or an open field where maybe you want to take a picnic shot or you want to do something over a, a table or whatever. Like now everything is available. Like you can have power anywhere and they hold a lot of power. I believe I saw a video where a guy was talking about he had the either the middle one or the second to largest one. And one of the things he pointed out was that a CPAP on that machine would run for almost nine hours. That's which awesome. that didn't seem like a huge deal. But if you think about it, I mean, I'm but sure we you, have a yeah, lot of we need to sleep for eight hours or so. Exactly. Like most people would like to. I've had some friends, especially up here in the Northwest, because lots of people like to go camping or whatever. And a lot of them go like, ah, I really can't or, you know, I can't really sleep out there without my machine or whatever. Or they have to bring one that like, can you know, that can car camp and, you know, you can rig it to plug it to the car. There's all these things you got to do. Right. So that opens up that as an option, you know, just so many things where power would be an issue now becomes a non-issue. And you can carry the smaller one if you want to do, you know, if you're not going to car camp, you want to camp into a place. You can get a couple hours worth of power off of it. Uh, if you're just like using phones and stuff, obviously you can, it's near infinite for what you would need for the weekend. But it's just really cool that you could run appliances on it. If you have a little portable stove you want to take out with you and do stuff, that's cool for camping. But yeah, I was thinking just from even a content perspective, there's just right. a lot of options that I could, even here just at my house, like there's sometimes I've thought about, man, it's so sunny and perfect outside. Like if I could just go take a shot out in the yard or something. That would be cool. But now it's like, oh, well, let me make sure I have my battery charged in my phone and my camera and blah, blah. You know, like, but now it's just like, oh, I can just roll this out, plug in, take however many shots, take as much time as I want and not have to worry about anything. Like, that's pretty cool. Right? Like, but yeah, it's I'm worth looking up. My hack comedian license, if I don't at some point during this uh, exchange, say unlimited power. Yep. <laughs> Dude, but you know what? Think about this, too. If you wanted to perform somewhere. Right. right. And you want to bring a little amp and a microphone and just do something in the park. Yeah. Like you can do that now without having to worry about power issues. And right? also add my little security system in case Will Smith wants to <laughs> come yep. up yep. and do a little something. So, yeah, just cool things in general. Like, I and I, I don't remember what they were priced at. I was more looking at like the practicality of them because they have them at all different price points. So I wasn't wasn't too worried. But yeah, just a cool idea. But yeah, if you ever if you don't know about Anchor, A N K E R, go look them up. Uh, hashtag not sponsored, but would gladly take your money if you want to be. Uh, they're just cool, man. They have, I have some of their stuff. I have some of their charging cables even plugged in right now. I have one of their HDMI cables that I'm using on my machine right now. <laughs> so, like, their stuff is quality. If you if you haven't used it, check them out. I'm sure you know somebody. Just ask around. But if you camp or if you're making stuff you know you're filming stuff recording things do, doing performances check it out it's a, it's a cool product to have available but now we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty yeah, of this uh, week <laughs> all right so let's start out with what's probably the second biggest story of the week as far as magic goes and it's the ftx collapse and for those of you that don't know, FTX was a, I guess for lack of a better term, a crypto exchange yeah. company site. You know, but they they were, I don't know what the best word is. I guess 
handling. It's like you said, crypto. Oh yeah, exchange. Or- yeah, large amounts of money, uh, billions, really, and they had their hands in a lot of stuff. So you know, this isn't. Also, let me say this: like this isn't about NFTs or cryptos, whatever. This is we are just sharing news on this about like this is what went down and this is what happened. You know, it's also kind of wild that this is the, the, the this was the category. Kind of, this is the second biggest yeah, story. Yeah. That's the kind of week it was. So you know, it, personal feelings on crypto or NFTs or whatever aside, they ended up in a pretty ugly situation for one mishandling their users' dollars. Uh, apparently, they handed some off to a research company, uh, Alameda something. I don't remember Alameda Research, I think. But that was a big problem because that was several million that went that way. They apparently were hacked, or at least the story for now is that they were hacked for some $477 million. So they weren't secure if this is true. And then they're filing for Chapter 11 now, I believe. So that's going to be a whole process, which does mean that a lot of their transactions, a lot of their interactions are going to have to become public. So we'll find out more in the coming weeks, obviously, as that whole legal process moves and forward. And it's looking like almost all of it is going to be bad. Every oh, yeah. every revelation that comes out is another red flag. Like, no, that's the complete opposite of how you do business. For sure. And they've lost already a lot of clout. Like, they're done. Yeah, yeah. What's, his, the, 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 uh, what's his name? Uh, Friedman was, was a billionaire when this started. And I guess he's lost something like 96, 97% of his worth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially as people find out, well, the money's just not there anymore. Yeah. You know, so it, ultimately, when it's all done, he's probably going to jail for a long time, to be honest. But then you have the issue, and this is why it's relative, relatively important to gamers, is they did buy into the ownership of Storybook Brawl, which was a free-to-play fun game online, if you haven't checked it out. It I, definitely actually, very fun. I don't know if how much longer it's going to be around. We'll, we'll see. But I'm, I, I think that game is good enough to where hopefully somebody steps in and buys it. I would not, hope so. That, that said, I don't know who all... <laughs> has the money for that. It's easy for us to spend other people's money. Yeah. The The sad thing is they had to cancel their world championships because obviously no money. You, I, I don't know how you'd even pay people if you could even get your own people there. Whatever. I mean, hell, there were reports from employees that started ducking out as soon as they saw the bad news and people that waited until like this week to get out couldn't even use their company credit cards because they were all declined. So they're in that kind of shape right now. That's sad, and unfortunately, I have noticed the people who had a similar experience where there's a publication I worked for the way out of business, and I mean, you, when you got your check, you had to immediately take your lunch break and go to the bank because by the time you got off at five, you weren't sure the check would clear. That's rough, man. <laughs> I, I will say this, too. I looked into the company because I didn't know a whole lot about the company. I kind of knew top-level stuff. It turns out, Apparently, they moved from Hong Kong, I believe it was, to the Bahamas sometime in the last 18 months, it sounded like. And they were balling out of control. Like, literally, weekly budgets that could go anywhere from 30 to 100K a week just on 
food, freebies, lunches, whatever for employees, which one, hey, if you're going to spend money, spend it on employees, great. But weekly, that's a lot of money. You know, just taking care of staff, whatever. Then it turns out they had like a fleet of cars and everything that they, they, I guess, maintained for the employees to use. Now, good news, they were hiring people from the island for a lot of stuff at the offices. That was great. You know, local economy. Good job. But stuff like the execs were in what sounded like these million-dollar crazy estates, like on the islands, on the beach. But of course. You know, and it's like, yeah, they you. if that had been made public sooner, I think people would have been like, yo, really? Where is all this money going? You know, where's all this money coming from? You know, also, they apparently, their therapist also was in charge of fi- helping find people for the employees to date, which sounds like I- I've never heard any place where that's part of a therapist's responsibilities, but I'm sure they, when the money was flowing, the therapist was like, sure, I'll help you find a date in addition to doing wh- whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever therapy you might need. Yeah, that's random as hell, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I even if you'd have had like, hey, we're going to have this like, I don't know, social something. You just make a title to make life better for your employees. Like that job would be OK for that. But to have it be a therapist is weird, man. Yeah, because like churches do it, but they don't make the pastor do it. Well, exactly. They have, right? there's a, they have, uh, some churches actually call it the minister of singles, as weird as that might sound. But I mean, that's the thing you, you know, sometimes go to church, you know, not necessarily for, but. While you're there, you might like to meet somebody that obviously religion is a huge thing. So could you imagine going to church and be like, yeah, Deacon Johnson has four phone numbers for you to check out later. (laughs) This first one, you're going to love her. She's a really good cook. And you know what I mean? Like, that'd just be so weird. (laughs) But I'm sure in a relationship, even if you don't both have the same religion, I guess you need to at least be aware of the other person's religion and what it constitutes. Something. Else, I'm sure it becomes a problem later. But yeah, they they were money was just they were just out of control. You know, it's classic case of people getting in charge of a company, not thinking about the future, trying to look bigger than they are. And and let, okay, and let's add on to this: like people had no reason to not think things were above board because they were sponsoring sports arenas, right? They had a Super Bowl commercial, yeah. And we all yeah, know we, the cheap Super Bowl about, commercials are like half a million dollars. What are the many, yeah. many stories about this listed the people who were going to, you know, lose some amount of money? And Tom Brady and Steph Curry were among those people because I'm sure to some extent they probably agreed to get paid in crypto. Yeah. Or at least invest in their company in some way. Yeah. So, you know, one way or the other, I'm sure they each got a, a not substantial or a not, uh, you know. Now, admittedly, small investment in this. even if they put five, 10 million a piece in there, they they obviously still have way more and they're going to be fine. Yeah. But it sucks for, I mean, several stories of people were like, yeah, I, you know, they put their life savings into that website or whatever. Because right. like, again, when you see, you know, the, the goat, Tom Brady doing it, that's part of why you hire people. Like, oh, well, if Tom Brady's doing it, yeah, this must be a thing you should do. Sure. Now, this further connects to us in the magic community. Because FTX was also one of the sponsors for Limited Resources. And that's a podcast with Marshall Sutcliffe and Lewis Scott Var- Vargas. And it's been around for a while. And it's a good show, actually. They, they do a lot, especially when new sets come out. They go over all the cards and give them all ratings and stuff. 
but the problem you're running into now is people are trying to be mad at them and want them to make an apology. And this is where one of the things I'm going to say today that people are not going to be happy with, but like they don't owe anybody an apology. Mm. They're in, they got, they got scammed. Just like you said, like Tom Brady, like Steph Curry, like the NFL, like, you know, like just all got scammed. Yeah. Now, same way with Enron. I know somebody whose family almost ended up destitute. Right. Because that went down years ago. I had a former co-worker that uh, worked at MCI WorldCom. So, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. one. Right. Hell, and MCI WorldCom sponsored a bunch of stuff. Yeah, because when, when money's flowing, it's flowing. And I would say, if you're going to be mad at them, I want you to keep that same energy. You know, did, did you call the NFL about their Super Bowl commercial? No, because you don't feel like you know them. Did you call anybody at Netflix, you know, when you're watching your favorite cooking show and they put on an ad for for a questionable timeshare or some boner pills that we all probably know don't work or side effects include, you know, death and gambling? No, you didn't. You're not going to because you don't know how to contact anybody at Netflix. You're giving these guys grief because you know what their Twitter handle is. And the other thing, too, some of the people even said, well, I don't really listen to their podcast, but and it's like, well, then. You're just being mad to be mad. They should care about your opinion. Why? If you don't support their work. Yeah. Now, don't be wrong. Like they were already going and, you know, coming out and saying like, hey, here's what happened. It sucks. It did affect us too. You know, we're upset. We supported somebody who was basically a scam artist. Right. Like, okay, cool. And that's probably all they really need to say about it. Truthfully, like they thought they were being backed by a quality company. Hell, as a matter of fact, that relationship probably only happened because LSV was working on on Storybook Brawl, the way I understand it. So that probably because he's like, hell, if they're sponsoring that and they have all these commercials and they're sponsoring sports arenas or whatever, they'd be a great sponsor to have for our show. And that absolutely could have been us had we had the same connection. Not going to lie. I I said it off the air. If they had came to us and said, hey, we're going to give you, I don't know, I'm just making up a number, but like $500 a week or $1,000 a week or whatever. To, to promote so, our side on the show. Yeah. Sure. I'd have done it in a heartbeat. And again, somebody that has, has worked in almost every aspect of this industry for entirely too long, I'm going to tell you, nobody checks up on advertisers. Newspapers don't do that. Websites don't do that. So no, of course, podcasts don't do that. Because if you pull the curtain too far back, yeah, the advertiser is selling questionable timeshares or pills where side effects include, really, unless it's just something blatantly obvious like, hey, what's the product? We sell crack to three-year-old kids. Unless it's something obvious like that, nobody does the due diligence. No, because we got to eat. We got to sell ads. But, but here's we, the thing. We got to pay bills. Other than if you dislike crypto, there was no indicator that anything was wrong. You know what I mean? Literally, you have right. big big name celebrities. You've got big sports organizations you've got super bowl commercials you've got a brilliant website you got all this stuff right why would anybody think there's a problem if you got enough money to buy a sports arena you damn sure have enough money to buy a podcast or to advertise sure. on a podcast because those sports arena deals are you know tens of millions up to hundreds of millions right so these the are land, by the time you count the land and the tax breaks billions Oh, then they're multi-year deals, you know, that you're getting to have your name on an arena or whatever. So, like, let's be real about it, you know? So, yeah, it's it's tough. And you already know how I feel about apologies anyway. And we're already seeing it start. Like, no matter what they say or what they do, 
people are going to say, well, that apology is not good enough, or you should have said, or you should have been not like, this is not, this is literally them. Just, they just got caught in a scam. Let's just call it what it is, right? They thought they had a good working relationship. They thought the company was legit. Hell, another company they worked for was working with them. So you would think somebody with more leverage than I have has a good relationship with them. It must be good. <laughs> for and the salary, wasn't. most of us are getting paid. We have neither the time nor the resources to investigate all of our advertisers or any of our advertisers and make sure the product they're selling is of good value. Dude, I'll tell you this right now, right? I'm in tight with Ultra Pro. We have a good relationship. I've talked to several of the higher ups there. They like me. Everything's great. I've been to their home office. Great. Gave me the whole tour, all that. I've met workers in their damn factory area. If something came out tomorrow about Ultra Pro, I'd have just been like, damn, y'all, I had no idea. They kept it hidden from me, too. Yeah, because they're not going to show you like, hey, this is no company's going to show you, hey, this is where we do the crime. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, I would just say, man, I'm sorry I've been prepping their stuff or repping their stuff. I I thought they were good, you know, like, and that's all you'd be able to say about it. Because, like, what what else am I like? What else am I supposed to apologize for? You know what I mean? Like, although now that I think about it, there was one incident I heard where somebody literally did show where they do the crime and it was a cable guy. Because, you know, if you ever want to hear some good stories, talk to anybody that does cable or any kind of repair. They oh, yeah, because they got to get into the bowels of some places. Exactly. So they're going <laughs> to see stuff they, that, that you don't need to see. So this one cable guy went in somewhere, and it became fairly obvious to him after about 10 or 15 minutes. This was a front for a mafia set up. And once they realized the guy had seen too much, said, look, uh, I talked to the boss and we're not going to have any problems, but you got to smoke this cocaine. He's like, I'm on duty. I got 10 other employees. I can't smoke this cocaine. And he came in to look, if you'd like to leave this building today, (laughs) you're going to smoke this cocaine, like training day. This is not optional. I was just about to say that. He gave him the training day. (laughs) Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. But yeah, but I don't know. Point to say, in most cases, they're not going to show you where they do the crime. Yeah, it's it's tough. This whole FTX thing, it does affect a lot of gamers because, you know, there were a lot of people excited about the storybook brawl thing. Yeah, people already going to be great. Yeah, people are already buying tickets for their the championship event or whatever. Way, their game is fun. The concept is fun. I love storybook brawl. I hope somebody does come in and, and, and pick them up because that game deserves that. It is. It's cool. I, I hope it survives, honestly, and doesn't get caught up in the wash or is in some way traded as an asset or something because of the bankruptcy or, you know, right. like, yeah, because that could it be ends bad, up, you, know. you know, sold for parts or something. Yeah, that, that could suck. That's one of the many downsides when a company. But I, I will say this with- for limited resources. I did hear that they had their live show, I think, on Tuesday. And they did have some explanation of an apology and kind of how the situation happened or whatever. By the time our show goes live, I believe theirs should already be live as well. So if you just listen to the podcast, you'll have it there. So there will be an apology or at least an explanation of the whole thing. So go check them out. Just even if you don't disagree with the situation, you didn't agree with them being sponsored by cryptos companies or whatever. Like, remember that they're still humans, y'all. 
they're still trying to entertain you. They're still trying to give you value and share knowledge with you. Like and pay bills in yeah, the process. Like they make mistakes just like we do. And I have no doubt somewhere along the line we will do something dumb that people hate or whatever. And like it's it's part of being human. Like they learn from not knocking on wood. We got a good <laughs> group yeah. of advertisers. We're in sixty two episodes. We're doing all right so far, but it's yeah. gonna happen, right? So just be real, you know, be reasonable. Like, even if you want to say, like, hey, I told you so, cool. Give them an I told you so, but don't don't be inhumane about stuff. Like, I guarantee you they are going through some things right now as well, considering they don't know what's gonna happen with Storybook Brawl. They just lost yeah. some of their money that was helping them pay bills. Better like, yet, if you like their content, you know, give them five or ten dollars. Yeah, they they've got other like stuff ours. going on. <laughs> give us five or ten dollars. Yeah, exactly. Like, give, it, give it, it to it, us. It did to, to get to a, <laughs> a self promotion, but yeah, I guess we kind of walked into a self promotion. All right, let's talk about the the other big story, if you will. I wish I, we'd have been recording this because I probably should have had big in quotes because it kind of depends on your perspective on this story. But Bank of America, and I don't even know how the best way to word this, because it's a very weird situation, but Bank of America had a report come out that said they were downgrading Hasbro stock from buy to a concerning level because they feel that the future of Magic is being over leveraged and they don't agree with some of the stuff going on. And... Because that's the only thing they own is Magic the Gathering. Well, yeah, exactly. If Magic the Gathering goes tank, Hasbro's got nothing. They don't have the Transformers license. It becomes a license to print money every four years when a movie comes out. Well, there's there's other stuff here that bothered me, though. The first is that I think players took that to go like, see, Bank of America agrees with what we do, and this is going to change what Hasbro does and blah, 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 slow down, right? That's not what they were saying in particular, and we're going to get into that a little bit. The other is understand who's saying it and why. These are investors. These are companies. Like people don't really like banks. Banks are invested in a lot of things and doing a lot of underhanded crap behind the scenes, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> right. By the, way, by the way, the bank doesn't care whether you enjoy magic. And all exactly. That's not what they're there for. Sometimes they make these statements public because they're trying to get certain actions that benefit them, not me and you. And Let's also John be Finkel, work it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back in but, but let's let's also be real here and understand that I guarantee you, Wizards and Hasbro both already knew about this statement well before we did. They their higher ups, their bank heads probably talked to the CEO of Hasbro and blah blah. And Chris Cox had a conversation with somebody, and that was probably a whole thing, probably even a couple weeks before it even became news to us. So. Let's let's not act like oh this is going to be a shock to them and it's going to change everything. Eh, they probably already knew, right? Like that that's just procedure. That's that's not anything secretive. But the other issue I had is as we got into it, and I tried to read through it pretty in depth. I looked at different reports. I also looked at the thing that I think Hipsters of the Coast was pretty close to what I already thought about it. Yeah, they so, had a very good piece. So, so I think their piece. That is going to align a lot with some of the things I'm going to say here on the show. But my first thing is the only point that I would say is shared between investors and players is that there is a lot of stuff being printed. 
yeah, I think we're all, I'm certainly in agreement there. Yeah. And I think that's the one piece, but I think people took that and went, see, even bank of America says it Wizards printing too many cards. I said, ah, but that's where it stops. Because if you dive deeper into what they're saying, my interpretation from what I read was that they're more concerned that because those extra printed cards also include a lot of reprints. And they're worried about, they're comparing value of cards. Now, one, they're also comparing value from like the peak of things at the pandemic. And we know there was a lot of pandemic spending that, you know, whatever. So that already says like, hey, you're, you're being a little disingenuous with your numbers, right? The other is they tried to use, oh, well, Wizards printed all these things and they used a chart. It sounded like they based it on that. You've probably seen the pictograph that people have shown where like it shows each year and the number of sets that were printed or whatever. And then on the last one, they show whatever it is, like uh, 50 sets or whatever. But they're including like every secret layer, every digital release, blah, blah. Which I think is a disingenuous chart anyway. But if you're going to use that, then you can't in the rest of your report ignore including all that other stuff. Well, now, how, how, how do you feel the chart is disingenuous or disingenuous? Because the average person doesn't even know most of those existed, never even cared about those, and it was never going to buy any of those. Because we talked about it before. Hell, we know people that are online right now and don't even know when secret layers are available. Right? So the core paper products and whatever I think should be included. And that's probably the only thing that's really comparable year over year for me. Now, other people may feel differently, but... A lot of those things are things that people already wouldn't buy or aren't going to buy anyway. So including them to say like, well, see, players have to buy all this stuff. Like, no, they don't. They just don't. And as somebody, you know, that has played numerous dead card games, I certainly enjoyed being able to own every raw deal card because I love wrestling. I enjoyed being able to own just about every MLB showdown card because I love baseball. Sure. But, but you yeah, don't want. Become- but here's the thing. You don't need every single reprint of every single card. Oh, yeah, you absolutely don't. But then those previous games didn't have nearly as many reprints as sure. they certainly had nothing to compare to Secret Layer. So but you know, I, as well I as I do, whenever they reprinted a set or made a set that was mostly reprints, it sold less than the other stuff. Yeah. Because people don't buy it. Even if they're like, oh, but you can get a foil this, that, or the other. Like a lot of people just didn't care. I so, mean, it would be nice. Sure. But to include all those secret layers in there and to include all those digital reprints and all the other stuff, like, eh, you know, it's it's hard. I think, I think the part that it speaks to is, you know, there is product fatigue. I get yes. that. And that is a totally thing understand. Were, and I and I get it. Quoted in the story is mentioning that, yeah, product fatigue or even just from covering it. We talk about how spoiler season has become eternal. But again, if you let me finish, right, here's my thought. I'm even okay with you including that if you're going to use that the rest of your argument. The problem is they don't reference anything else. Is I couldn't find anything else to mention like Arena. I think Secret Lair was touched on lightly one time or whatever, but you're using that as one of your core points. And it's like, that's my problem, right? If you're going to say, okay, here's the rationale, here's the thing, okay, cool, then let that play into the rest of the argument as well. Because like, oh. and, and in, in fairness to them, as somebody that's written these kind of articles where you have to try to understand everything at once, they may have put that in there, and then so some editor may have come along and whacked it. Sure, it's- but it but it makes it look bad to people who are doing the true deep dive. That's all I'm saying, right? And then, like I said, they they agreed that 30th anniversary was priced really high. Yeah, that's but, the other point that I think we are all in agreement on. But they literally touch on that for a second and then go in on. But the real concern is that it's actually printing reserve list cards, right? And that's the opposite of what players want. 
right? They're, players are like, well, we don't want a lot of product, but we want more reprints, right? Because they want Magic to be cheaper. These guys are making the argument of the opposite, that they're concerned about the long-term collectability and products being worth more, right? Because they, they even use an example of a booster box from, from, well, they used a collector booster box, which, whatever, that's all over the place. So that's kind of a bad example to use, but again, it, it strengthens their argument, so I get why they used it. But if you look at regular booster boxes of a lot of sets from around that time, they're roughly the same price as when they released. So they're saying they want those to be worth even more than they were when they came out. Whereas players were the opposite, right? They want it to be more affordable, so they don't want it to be worth above retail if they can afford it. So the argument of just like, these guys want exactly what we want. No, they don't. Like they're saying that in the report, right? So many things they're making a point of are about price. Like they're not saying we should make this cheaper. They're saying it's not worth enough at retail. You know, like, so those are the parts of the things I think people weren't paying attention to. And that's what bugs me. Cause I think people are jumping on this saying like, oh, well they they want everything we want. And it's like, no, they don't. And then there was other problems too. Like, they tried to talk about product being available in certain places or not, and like certain stores not carrying it anymore. Like that has more to do with theft than anything. If you go into these Walmarts and Targets, whatever, they've just moved them from being readily available up front to being behind the counter. So now you have to go over to a special place and ask for them because a lot of these places, it was just loose over the top and there was a lot of returns and other stuff happening or whatever, and they just didn't want to deal with it anymore. So sales will slow down for that reason because people don't even know it still exists anymore. The other part of it, too, is these stores don't stock their own stuff. That's from a third-party company that goes into at least Walmart, and I'm pretty sure Target as well. So I'm sure it happens at others that come in and stock a lot of that stuff. So that's a whole different process anyway. And those companies, a lot of times, are taking old product anyway, and they're repackaging it. It's like, and you've probably seen it when you walk into Walmart and they're like, Buy this thing for $20 and you can get any of this assortment of four or five packs. But if you open it up, it's stuff from the last year or whatever anyway, right? With like some random promo cards tossed in or something, right? That's where those come from. Those aren't coming from Wizards. Those aren't coming from Walmart. Like that company that manages those is actually making those and putting them out. And then the picture they showed, I guess, were using examples of stuff from the last they're trying to claim that like oh well the products still have stuff from the last two years and this this is a problem that started happening in 2018 and we're just like no this is exactly what it's been forever <laughs> right like this isn't new and the picture they showed the oldest thing i think in the picture was like crimson vow which is literally last fall so one full year not multiple years so i'm not a hundred percent sure what point they were trying to make with that and I doubt they know how standard works because there's only so much magic. You, I, I don't know how long they had to write this article, but I'm, I'm sure they weren't given enough time to do the completely deep dive into magic. You, unless they also happen to be a magic player. And I don't know how many financial websites happen to have somebody on staff that plays magic. But I guess the number is very small. Also, <laughs> including Best Buy and GameStop as places reducing their magic inventory. Like they weren't selling hardly it anyway. Hell, anybody I know who bought magic at GameStop was always because they had overstock and put it on sale at ridiculous yeah. prices. And both companies were quite literally circling the drain. So their policies are not <laughs> what you want to reflect. Oh yeah. GameStop has been in trouble for the last like four years. 
Right. Like we've known that they've, they've been trying throwing everything at the wall to make stuff work. If they think you have read it, they might already will be bankrupt. Well, that's true. If it wasn't for that crazy stock stuff that went on last year or whatever. So there was a lot of stuff like that in the report that I'm like, eh, I get it. You're trying to make a point and you're using things that are technically true. But if you really deep dive into it, like these are not making the points that you want to make. And again, I sympathize because I used to be a journalist cyber reporter. They would drop this, hey, you need to write this story about, you know, uh, bean futures. I, I don't know nothing about that. Your title is journalist cyber reporter. You got two days to become an expert. So I sympathize. Also, they were trying to highlight magic printing less so it's worth more. And they even said specifically magic was an investment at one point, right? That That is, if you listen to players, that's the opposite of what players want, right? They want there to be more reprints. They want stuff to be more available. They want prices to be lower. That is not what this report is saying. Other than we want to print wizards to print less cards. That part's true. Everything else is but we want it to be done in a way that allows us to be worth more money. And there's multiple examples through here that they talk about. Even, even in the, the article from Hipsters of the Coast, they touch on some of this stuff too. So I'm not really understanding where this hype of just like, see, they get us and whatever. Like, no, they're not arguing for the same things. They're, they're wanting one of the same things, but the end result of how they want it done is not what you want. And don't be wrong, like I said, even when I made my post, is like, that could be the correct strategy. I mean, let's be real. We've talked about it before. When things are worth more, more people are interested, right? That's just the way it is. And we had a period of time where magic cards were all worth more and people still kept buying more magic. So maybe that's a good thing. But another thing that gives an indicator that these types of discussions are already happening behind the scenes is have you noticed what Wizards just started trying to do of just like, hey, we're going to make not just secret layers, but we're going to toss in some rare items. So when you get your secret layers, you're getting these random cool collectibles. You can go buy these collector's boosters here recently and you can get serialized numbered cards. We're taking all those special reprints and we're make, numbering them one through 500. So you're getting a unique card out of here. It's going to hold value. Right. So they're they're trying to appease both groups, if you think about it. They're saying, okay, we know y'all want reprints, so we're going to make some of those available. But we also have to do it in a way that we keep some cards being valuable so people want to buy these and we don't tank the price of our boosters because they're all reprints. So now, if you can get enough people opening a, I don't know, trying to think of one of the one of these moxes or whatever, mox whatevers that it can be reprinted and it's numbered one through 500, that's a big deal. You know, like now I have a thing that might stay at $100, $200, whatever. You know, even recently with Kamigawa earlier this year where they had the uh, Hidetsugu, they had the four different uh, neon inks on it or whatever, right? A couple of those are still over $1,000. So like you can have your collectibles and have the cool rare things and still get some reprints in the set and make stuff available. Now, I don't think we need four different booster packs or whatever, because or I guess now we have regular draft boosters, set boosters, collector boosters, right? Like we can probably have collectors and regular boosters of some kind and just figure it out. Like that's probably doable. I don't think we have to have three different boosters like that. That's 
a reasonable thing, and I think we can get fewer reprints that way. I, I think there's some things we can do to alleviate some of this and still get to where, you know, what Bank of America is talking about. But yeah, the numbers are what they are, right? People bought a lot of magic still. Now, and continue to do so. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, too, is like, even if, and people said, well, what if their first quarter numbers are down? Like, they probably will be down. Because again, we're coming off of the peak spending from from the pandemic. We have people dealing with losing jobs, or we've got the f- inflation happening, so that's that's going to reduce things. Wizards' costs are probably still up, so they probably made less this last quarter. So, like, none of those should be surprising things. And this isn't me defending Wizards' code, because again, I agree, we have a lot of damn products being printed. It'd be cool if we scaled that back some, right? Like, I'm in the same camp, but also. I don't know. Honestly, I I will say this. I think the biggest problem with Magic 30 or the 30th anniversary product, whatever you want to call it, for me, wasn't even the price, even though the price was really high. I think it's more that you've encouraged more people to proxy than you did previously. I think that's a bigger problem. Because now you end up in a situation where you have to print enough. And this and maybe this is what they're trying to do, right? You have to print enough that you get enough reprints or whatever. So people are still encouraged to try to get the authentic card because it's at least within the realm of their budget. But at the same time, have a way that some of your stuff has enough value that people want to buy sealed product. Because remember, Wizards doesn't make any money on the secondary market, right? They've got to get you to buy some amount of sealed product or buy secret layers or whatever to get their money. So doing these types of reprints that are serialized, special art, whatever, that are unique, whether that's secret layer or, you know, random inserts and boosters or whatever, is an interesting plan. If you can still keep people interested in buying boosters. So I don't know. But I just wanted to talk about this because, like I said, I think there's enough people who were not realizing, hell, like... There's so many things in this report you could pick apart, honestly. Like I, I feel like even now I'm, I'm skipping over so many things. But one of the things that I think hipsters pointed to, which stood out to me as well, was using Pokemon as a comparable example. And it's literally like the person just learned how to use Google Trends. Like they just went in and typed Pokemon, typed in Magic, typed in Yu-Gi-Oh! Right? Which Google Trends, by the way, if you've never use it. It's a good resource just to know kind of what things are spiking if you're looking for stuff to talk about or do content on or whatever. It's a very good resource. And it's free. It's public. Just look up Google Trends. But the problem is these people weren't even differentiating the Pokemon card game from just Pokemon in general. And Pokemon's a huge thing, right? They have they still have video games coming out. They've got the, the animated series, you know, like so all those things are going to cause spikes in Google Trends, right? Look, new season started. Oh, look, new game release. Right, Ash finally won the world championship. So yeah, this week he was trending. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, right? Those are all going to create spikes in Google Trends. But so they share this graph, which is totally disingenuous, right? They're just like, oh, look, see, year over year, look how much more people are looking at for Pokemon than Magic or whatever. It's like, uh, but yeah, if you actually put in the Pokemon trading card game or Pokemon TCG, you get a whole different looking chart, right? So again whoever did this deep dive 
either one was purposely manipulating the data. And I'd like to think that somebody who's trying to post something for actual financial interest probably wasn't doing that. I, well, I, I and now I got to jump in, or as you know, <laughs> like uh, you know, fa- fantasy football's Matthew Barry says, if you're writing, you know, any kind of like opinion piece or to some extent news, there's a point you're trying to make. You will, even if you don't realize it, you will cherry pick the data that you feel proves your point. You are thus leaving out other data that may contradict your point. Oh, not, yeah. anything, not anything insidious, insidious. It's just, you know, you're trying to make a point, so you're going to... And I think that happened... the facts that support you. I think that's true on some level. I think some of that in this report... But, like, the Pokemon thing, I think that's somebody who did not know, right? I don't think they understood the difference or what the levels were, and they just went, ah, oh, Pokemon, yeah, obviously, right? Look how much different it is, and then immediately took a snapshot of it. And it's just like, eh, I question who did this deep dive, honestly. Not saying I disagree with their top line premise. Not even saying that I completely disagree with their bottom line. That maybe, and again, this is going to get me some hate, but maybe it is better for the game to have some things that are more valuable. Maybe that in helps. Terms of, in terms of driving prices through a ridiculous point, like, yeah, it's supply and demand. The more things, you know people is also the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Yeah. It's, it helps you trend if people are willing to get into fist fights for your product. Is it, it as well, I think that's the point of the whole discussion is that investors and players are going to want two different things from their card game. Correct. And, and I think that's my issue, but I do think that we could still, again, if wizards keeps on this trend of making these like unique serialized, whatever things, and those catch on, we can have those rare, valuable things, right? Because think about it. There's going to be somebody in the world that's going to be like, I don't know, maybe he's a, I'm trying to think of that. He's a Michael Jordan fan or, or a LeBron fan. So he's going to be the number 23 guy, right? Like he always wants, he wants to collect all the number 23s of all these serialized cards or whatever, right? Like that's going to be a thing. So if that becomes a thing, then cool, you have these rare collectibles and those will keep some products high on the secondary value, both cards and sealed product, so people want to buy it. And you can still include the regular versions as reprints so players can have those. And instead of having to buy a $20 card, you can pick it up for 6 or $8 now, right? And that's that's a big thing. So I think their ultimate goal can still be achieved, and I do still think that's a relevant point, but it's not what players are arguing for. And that's the thing. Like, there's just so many things in here that, and credit, again, to Hipsters of the Coast, because after I read through their thing, I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. Somebody else saw this, too. <laughs> like, Because I thought, am I the only one that's is like, but no, their thing, very similar to a lot of stuff that I felt as well. Yeah, that, that is a good piece. I definitely recommend you check that out. Yeah, just go look up Hipsters of the Coast, uh, Bank of America stock, and it'll come up. But... I think more people need to do when you see this thing and it seems like big news. I always tell people this. If you see something that agrees with you and it seems huge, you should do even more research into it because it's easy to jump on a thing and go like, ah, this totally agrees with me. It's got to be correct when it's like, ah, but why is somebody saying this? You know, and I've learned this just from politics and stuff. I'm like, ooh, this person I don't know much about all of a sudden really agrees with me. Hold on. Let me go find out more about this. Or let me go find out more about this person or whatever before I just start sharing this stuff, right? Because you never know. 
and this kind of falls in that category for me. Like, I don't know the the person. I don't know if they subcontracted this out or whatever. But th- is it sky is falling time for me with magic? Not even close. You know, hell, if the sky isn't falling right now with Twitter, we still got way further to go with Hasbro and magic. So I think we're mostly fine on this. And again, you know, how, no matter how much product they print, people continue to buy it. So until until they throw a magic set and nobody comes, I don't think the problem is huge. Yeah, I, I do agree on the general point. Too much product is a problem right now. Product fatigue, like you said, is real. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's the biggest top line issue that both sides can agree on. So I think that does need to be addressed. But the other stuff, eh, like, you know, I hate the idea of even having read through it. I almost hate the idea of even calling it a deep dive because it definitely was not a deep dive. It was, I know some terminologies. I know some, how to look up some prices on a couple of websites. And here's what I found. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's it. I, it wasn't, there's no understanding of the history. There's not, you know, understanding the process of how stuff has moved around at retail, what stores are, aren't big pushers of magic at retail. You know, there's, there's just a lot of stuff just missing to call it a deep dive. But yeah, overall, I don't think this is in the world. Is it going to move the needle for Wizards one way or the other? I don't know. Probably, you know, it can't not, to be honest. I mean, it's obviously going to be somewhat of a concern to the higher ups at Hasbro or whatever. But at the end of the day, if they still find a way to make money, everyone's still going to be happy. I would expect, hopefully, we see fewer products because that's the thing that is constant across every report. Everybody seems to be filling that out on their surveys with Wizards or whatever. So well, that that, seems- that won't happen until one of them comes out and, I mean, really doesn't sell. And has that happened yet? I haven't. Not yet. But one thing we did see this time, and this is something we'll probably talk about at another point, is because they've made it to where you can buy product at pre-release now, fewer people are playing pre-release. So now you're losing the kind of social aspect of why people would show up on pre-release weekend. Now, don't be wrong. Several stores said their sales were very good this weekend or last weekend, I guess, from the time people are listening to this. But so it's the money wasn't the problem. Bunch of retailers I spoke to said, oh, yeah, we, we had a great sales weekend, sold all of this, sold 70% of our boxes, blah, blah, whatever, right? But a bunch of them said they had 0% to half percent of what they had before for pre-releases because people were just coming in, getting their product, going home, or hanging out, opening packs, or playing with their friends instead of playing a pre-release, which makes sense, honestly. If you're showing up just to play cards, well, I can just get the cards, you know what I mean? Like I can just have everything and then I can do whatever I want with them and just start throwing them in my commander decks or whatever my modern decks or pioneer decks or whatever. I don't have to wait to mess around with it. So while it does generate more money for the stores, that's great, but you do lose the social aspect or the intro level aspect because somebody's new and wants to learn magic. It's like, okay, well let me show up to a pre-release and hang out with some people for the first time. Like that element is gone. So that's a whole separate thing. I think they need to address. And then you know, figure out where standard is going to fit in going forward. Because I do think standard, even outside of arena, is a very good jumping on point for players. And if you can generate that standard environment again, 
that's probably good as well for a new player acquisition on some level. But I think to do that, you kind of have to make it the required format for like a regional championship or something like that. So people at least are forced to play it and pay attention to it for some period of time to get stores back in the routine of running them or offer something cool for like Friday night magics that happen to be standard or who knows what, right? There's, there's a way, but you, you kind of got to get back to that. But yeah, anyway, there's that. That was a long kind of run around on that story. But if you haven't checked it out, I think the hipsters of the coast does a good summation of the document and kind of what we talked about here, but you can also just look up the document online and go through it yourself. Uh, if you want to get into some nerdy numbers or whatever. But we do have one more interesting point to talk about before we get into the dinner table. And I'm going to mention this just because last week we talked about how so many players and creators both are trying to think about like, hey, where do we go if Twitter fails? Because this is kind of the one thing that everybody in the Magic community does. And honestly, a lot of video game communities even just connect with each other. Well, earlier today, before we went live, it looks like Elon Musk has made a public announcement that he's going to be looking for somebody else to be CEO so he doesn't have to be acting CEO anymore for the company, which might Probably be the best the, plan for somebody that owns like 52 companies already. Agreed. I, that that to me was like, bruh, you hadn't thought about that beforehand. Like you were literally yeah. going to be like, well, I got the solar power company and I'm launching rockets and I've got Tesla and why not? I'm going to go ahead and just manage Twitter also, right? Like, really? Even fi- even fictional billionaires like Scrooge McDuck and Bruce Wayne delegate. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, dude, I'm thinking, like, I've run, like, one and half of another business at the same time, and that was a lot, and they were not at the scale of even one of the businesses he's got. Right. So, like, how the hell did he think that was going to work? Yeah, occasionally, you know, hangs with supermodels, hosts Saturday Night Live. He's, he's got a full plate. Yeah, exactly. I'm going like, what do you have 32 kids or something? Him and Nick Cannon are dueling to repopulate the earth. Well, at least Nick Cannon can pronounce the names of his kids. So, you know, that's a thing. But the crazy thing really is just that that wasn't something already in the works. Like that shouldn't even feel like it should have been an announcement. It should have just been like at some point, hey, here's the person I've picked to be CEO. Really? Just, you can tell there was, again, for multi-billion dollar purposes, seemed like a shockingly small amount of planning. Well, I mean, first, the timeline is because somebody dared him to buy the company. He said, yeah, sure. He went through the process of preparing to buy the company, probably realized that it was a bad idea, tried to back out, then get su- got sued into buying the company. So but just- again... Could have got out for $2 billion, roughly, from what I saw, but he ended up having to pay 44 to get it. So make it that what you He could have saved $42 billion. Rather than admit he made a mistake. Ego's hell. Like, honestly, this also says how you know he's bad at PR. Because I would not have made this statement public. Unless, unless you thought that it would help your stock prices or something. Right. That somebody knowing that you're going to give up power makes them not want to sell their shares or something. But otherwise, why make this statement public? Just assume that people think you're smart enough to get somebody that knows more than you to help with Twitter. And you just go, ta-da, here's a new person in charge of Twitter. 
So like, I don't, or maybe this is your appeal of putting it out there. Maybe that is the smart move of saying like, hey, yeah, waving uh, your hands you and going like, hey, we're looking for a CEO of Twitter. <laughs> it's very much a PR thing because I'm talking about, you talk about Google Trends or what have you. Every 10 seconds, there is a new negative story about Elon Musk coming across the timeline. So yeah, he had to get in front of this. Yeah, I like, I don't know, man. But the good news is, now we're going to think positive here. If he can get somebody that he gives enough trust into as though he does at some of his other companies and he's willing to get out the way and just say, hey, look, you're bringing me in to do certain things and to help you not lose money. Just stay out of my way. Give me the resources I need. If he's willing to do that, which usually rich people will do it when it's protecting their dollars, which in this case, he's going to have to pay back a billion dollars a year from what I understand on this note he's got. So he's probably going to be incentivized to listen to this person we probably can cut off the panic on having to leave Twitter right now. It, it assuming he can find somebody. Now that's going to, that's going to be easier said than done because people see the dumpster fire that's going on right now. But I would assume somebody's willing to take a shot at it, right? Some executive somewhere that's looking to get a promotion. I'm sure Musk is going to pay a hefty amount of money. And you just say, all right, cool. I'll take it and take a shot at it. And if it goes down, at least I get rich on the way out. You know what I mean? So somebody's going to take a shot. But I would say at least for now, we can scale back and not have to worry too much. Like, I'm still going to make sure on a couple of platforms, my user handles are good. <laughs> like, just in case. But I don't think we have to be in a hurry to jump ship yet. So that's it. Said, I have not yet heard of any good place to jump to. So until we got that. Yeah, so that's at least the good news for now. So we'll we'll at least live with that. But that does bring us to the dinner table conversation. And this was one that somebody had asked kind of in passing, but it did get me thinking. And I don't know, Brian, how do you feel about this? Because this, this is a little bit tough. It's like, do you feel that we've made progress in both magic and or gaming from a social perspective. I feel like we're almost where we should have been 10 to 15 years ago. Sadly, that is progress. <laughs> See, okay, so that's sort of where I felt. Like, I don't know if I'd said like 15 years ago, but at least like five to eight years ago is sort of my mindset. It was like, we've just been behind on things. If we look at just what has happened during the, the 162 episodes we've been doing this, you know, Wizards having a diversity director. It was shocking a company that large didn't have someone like that already in place. So many things could have been yeah. prevented if that <laughs> if that person had already been in place. You know, I also think that we're seeing companies respond to stuff faster than they would have before, right? When stuff happens or they realize they screwed up or whatever, there's quick apologies, quick changes, which we weren't seeing before. So that helps. I think we've seen some big stuff happen with, you know, Riot, Blizzard, you know, because those were insane. Like, honestly, for all the ridiculous stuff we've dealt with in Magic, that stuff that went on over at Blizzard and stuff was, whoa, boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a whole other level of crazy. But even how that's been getting dealt with and the news stories and the way they covered it and the industry stepping in to say, like, hey, if y'all worked here, put in applications over here, you know, we are seeing some progress. Hell, I would say, you know, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, going to Magic 30 in Vegas, there were way more non-males 
And I would say a lar- much larger number of non-whites than we've had before. So something, at least during the course of the pandemic for those two and a half years or whatever, trended the right direction. Now, I don't know what particularly it was. I don't know if it was, hey, Wizard saying, yeah, we realize this thing and we're going to correct some racist stuff or, you know, we're going to put more, you know, we're going to work with Joe Johnson and work with some of these other women and put them on more of our product release stuff or whatever. Like, maybe, you know, I'm sure all of that on some level contributes. But seeing enough of those steps made, I think, is making a difference. Now, I will say in video games, I still don't see a lot of like women commentators. Um, there's still some things I think we could do better there when I'm watching. Yeah, Bobby Kotick still has a job at ActiveList, right? Still, I don't know. He <laughs> might have, actually. That's a good question. I don't know. He I, might. I believe he is still there. Now, people, you, the, the walls are closing in, but I don't think. Oh he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think he he dug his heels in. I think he yeah. said like, "Oh, I'm I'm not leaving." Baba. I think he was that guy. So yeah, so, he's, yeah, he's, he's probably had to be there. at some point pushed overboard. So True. We, we got we got miles to go until that happens. So, you know, I so maybe that's the thing, right? I We've made more progress in magic than I think we've made in video games. I think we've done it. We've made a little more progress in board games as well. I think there's still knuckleheads out because we talked about that crazy Absolutely. story from a couple weeks ago with like the whole racist aliens or whatever. That was dumb. But I think as a whole, we're seeing how the community honestly the way i'm judging progress i guess maybe that's that's the baseline as i think the level of diversity we're seeing how the companies act and respond to different issues and also how the community responds to i was about to say the the, the, the true the true test you know as people who people feel like we're just you know we we're we're, we're stirring up trouble we're, we're making mountains out of ball hills the true contest Put, put us out of work. Have let there be a week where we don't have to talk about women getting catcalled at at the Magic Summit. Oh sure, you know if, hell. If you think we're doing too much. Let me go a month without getting a racist comment on YouTube. A you know, like can, 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 a week. Yeah, I've at least video? cleared a week. I've at least cleared a week. Yeah. I've, I've okay. made it three weeks before, so that's cool. Okay. Wow, <laughs> yeah, impressive! Like, so, impressive. So sir. that's progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, so, but dude, I mean, seriously, like those people are still out there, you know. But I will say, I think what is happening a lot more is we are talking about it. People feel comfortable talking about it. We've got like I, st- uh, I remember exactly which episode we talked about. You know, the organization, the watch that is mm-hmm. keeping a running track of when they encounter something racist in gaming which boy that's yeah it's almost daily and encouraging other people that's something that i've done on my youtube channel it's like hey you know this is for anybody that thinks i am making this crap up when somebody says something crazy i have been uploading it and i don't lack for content in that department yeah i i think that's the thing you know i had somebody just this week say oh well you should name and shame them and then it'll stop and i'm like not really yeah. Like and having done that and seeing it, yeah. and then later going through through the whole step of reporting them to the the, the company. Well, again, it was Blizzard. I've already put the video out. It's not like I have to sure. <laughs> have to hide anybody's name. Yeah, and then encounter after reporting them, uploading a YouTube video about it, and encountering the same two racist knuckleheads within a week or two. 
Yeah, see, it's so just they like were banned. It was a, a very short ban. Yeah, so that that part's tough, right? In reporting it, you got to do it. But like, yeah. I'm also a big fan of like, I use the block button. I hide them from channel on my YouTube thing. You know, like because some point sometimes I tell people like I'm thick skinned. It's fine. Like I've I've the things I've heard and been said to me like would probably make the average person cry at this point, but the reality is there's an efficiency point to it as well, right? Yeah. It's just sometimes just easier to just block the person, move on. Don't give them any reaction. I got other stuff to deal with today. Hell, I made a couple of posts on Twitter about something either today or yesterday that I rarely use, but I use the thing of like, you know, only these people can respond to it because I just didn't want to deal with the notification and responding to people. Like, I don't have time. Like, I had a bunch of stuff going right. on, right? So kind of the same thing when the racist knuckleheads roll through. Sometimes it's just... Eh, I don't have time to deal with you today. Now, if they do get me on the right day, like, okay, roll up the sleeves. We're going to battle, right? That happens every once in a while. But most of the time, it's easier just to to block them. But overall, yeah, I would say it, it is better than it was two years ago. You know, thinking about my, my YouTube stuff. Yeah. You know, the interactions I'm seeing on Twitter are better. Uh, I mean, okay, let's also say this. The person in charge of the U.S. is also different, and I'm sure that plays into it on some level. Now, I'm not going to say it's the only reason, but you know how the the climate was and how things were when that person was in charge <laughs> to where it is now, right? It, it feels very different. So I'm sure the general climate of things also plays into that on some level. But yeah, I would say magic. Man, it's funny. I hadn't really thought, but now that we're talking about it out loud, I think genuinely... Magic has actually made more progress than most of other gaming. That's a bold statement, sir. It is, but I'm saying like, oh, but are we wrong though? Like I'm saying, we've we've listed some things and we've talked about this, but I'm like, well, again, I, I feel like they, as we talked about, you know, the, the director of diversity, that's a step most other companies in this century had already taken. Actually, let so me be correct. Were, let me let me say Wizards has made progress because there's been some stuff, even with the recent, you know, spell jammer monkey thing, right? With D. Right. Yeah. But they did come out, quickly correct it. Yeah. They owned up to it. They changed all the digital products. They already talked about the future printing. Like, and that happened in a matter of like a week. The seven cards that shall not be named. How yeah. long it had that dragged on with them saying there was no reason to address it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's stuff like that, you know, over the last few years, we've seen them highlighting trans people, you know, promoting more women. So, like, even on their their arena YouTube thing, like, I've seen them, they've highlighted, uh, I th- was it not Zbex was on there? Oh, Talia Vest was on there, MTG Nerd Girl. I think they had a thing go up yesterday or today that had uh, Nessa Meow Meow on there. So, like, they are doing a good job. Trying to say, hey, yeah. let's put these people in front of folks so you get and this level of diversity out there. Well, let me also, you know, we, we we put wizards under the bus a lot, but it's not magic is not just wizards. Thing. Exactly. It is this is this is a community and the, the community <laughs> has fallen down countless times also. Like somebody just just before we went on, uh, I saw somebody just and, I, and I've had the same question. How is I hate your deck still a thing? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, when, when, when that news broke and we talked about it on the podcast, I thought we were basically delivering Michael David Lynch's epitaph. Oh, no, I didn't I think that. I knew better than that. 
that yeah, I guess that's just my naivete. Because hey, right here's, here's the thing, like I'm now unless you literally do something just I don't know, grossly inhumane. I'm not trying to just end somebody's livelihood, career, whatever. But he did. So but, I'm okay but, with it but, but I will say this. He never even came out and even just owned up to it. Right? right. That that was my problem. And that's the biggest reason I can't work with him, support anything, watch his stuff. I get that. Again, everybody has to make a living. Everybody's entitled to that. You're not entitled to make a living as a YouTuber or sure, magic content sure. creator. And that's a right. I feel like he's lost, but my thing it's is, not but up like to I me. said, if you say, yes, I screwed up, I shouldn't have done it. You know, I get it. If you don't want to support me anymore, whatever, cool. And you continue on and then people make their decision to support you. Not cool. My problem is people knowing that he didn't own up to it and still treated somebody like that. And they're still like, nah, that's cool. You know, like, that that's my biggest problem. Now, the good news is you have other people like Joe that used to work with them or whatever. And Joe's doing really well. And tabletop jocks has taken off and that's great. You know, so good things did come from that. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is, but you're right. Right. That's a thing that's still celebrated. It's still out there. I'm not subscribed or anything more. So like, it, hell, I think I've only even seen one of his things even remotely pop up in the last probably six or eight months. So like, it's it's been a while since I've even seen one of his videos. But I know it's still out there. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, a, it's a tough thing, man. But I, I, you know, but even then we talk about, you know, D&D also did a book that was written all by people of color. You know, so. There definitely have been some positive steps. Yeah. So, I mean, I, as I said originally, I think we're almost to where we should have been about 10 years ago. Sure. Yeah, but but really, I think really, I we kind of have to say it. I think Wizards of the Coast has made more progress than other games. And that's weird to say, man, after everything we've talked about or whatever. And I, I it's funny because literally until we started talking about it, I hadn't really processed it like that. But really, if we go back and take the timeline from when we started the show to now. And even the level of stories we've heard from other game industries or other companies compared to stuff that we've dealt with in D&D or Magic or Wizards. Wizards is kind of on the softer side of a lot of that. That's uh, <laughs> You know what I mean, though? Like, well, I mean, it's sad, though. It is. But but it's true, right? Like for as much as we give them hell, I'm sitting there thinking, going like, "Hey, you know, it ain't that bad." <laughs> uh, didn't we? Didn't we just have you know situation with Emma where they didn't want to didn't want to pay them? That was that was like this year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there, again, progress. Sure. And and kudos to to Emma for eventually being able to get money, but it it again took way longer than it should have. Oh, and sure. shouldn't have happened to begin with. That that to me though, I'm putting that in a category of more bad business than a social issue. I, well, I mean, if it were just, you know, I get what you're saying. To, yeah. I get what you're saying, but to me that to that's me it's, a, it's a both. Cuz <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of situations where that happens and we just don't get to hear about it, you know? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I get, I hope that answers everybody's question. That was curious, but yeah, that's, I feel like we actually have made a lot of progress with wizards and magic and stuff. Not no, obviously there's always room. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to sit here and say wizards is perfect. And we agree with everything. Cause obviously we have a show and we don't, but, yeah. 
you know, but I mean, really, if we go back and talk about, you know, episode one to now, there is a significant difference of just oh, like definitely. what's going on, how things, hell, the different products that have come, hell, even characters we've showcased in products and stuff have been different. So, yeah, give them some credit words, too, I suppose. But all right, Brian, once everybody they can find you on socials. All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch. I'm I'm, I'm twitching again. <laughs> Tish actually uh, was told with her coworkers, I got to get in there. My husband is twitching. And of course, they had no idea what Twitch was about. So they like, what is he having a seizure? We don't understand. <laughs> they got to get you your meds. Right. Uh, let's see. As you said, YouTube. Okay. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And I am writing over at Tilt Magazine. So yeah, that's, I think everything. <laughs> I'm doing a lot. Yep. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. And lots of cool stuff coming up, hopefully lining up some projects. And uh, maybe, maybe I'm going to give you some real foreshadowing and say there's a small announcement that may be coming toward the beginning of January. So we're going to keep that out there and let people think about what that is. But otherwise... Wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family. Remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to, to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 